It's what we do, baby! This is Race Wars. Race Wars. I have the power! Yeah! How's it feel? With Kurt Metzger. You're out of your fucking mind, dude. And Sherrod Small. Settle down, bitch. Race Wars. Race Wars in the building, back with a new episode. Uh, so much going on in this country right now. Uh, the turmoil, uh, the corona, uh, the black death, not due to corona. <laughs> uh, a lot of pushback, a lot of fight back, a lot of protests, and uh, hopefully a lot of changes coming. Race Wars, uh, Karen, what you been up to? Um, you know what? I've been so, I've been so boring. <laughs> You're so unaffected by all this. You white devil. You just in no, your house chilling. You know what? If you look at my Instagram stories, you will yeah. see that I care. Okay. <laughs> you socially care? Stories. Yes. I, I've been whitely posting for right. weeks. So, so you want people not, not to judge you, but to judge your TikTok uh, for your social activism. <laughs> Listen, if you don't believe me, believe my TikTok, which has been <laughs> Uh, You're just giving the Chinese all your information. Uh, I have never felt like I had something to prove more than now. I mean, first of all, Jew is not white. Right, However, only on the coast. Only on the coast. That being said, I am white. And so... <laughs> My Instagram stories, you should check them out if you have any questions whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know. I'm doing my best over here. I like I don't know what to post. I don't know if I'm supposed to like am I allowed to like be cute, you know? Yeah. On, on Instagram yeah. anymore. Is that like not good for I think this is all this is all upset that black people are dying. I, I don't know how to say that enough. Karen, this is ponytail weather, you fucking selfish bitch. You should always be ponytailed up. All right, here we go. So uh, uh we've got to start the show. Noam, welcome to the show too. Noam's here, Noam Dorman, comedy seller owner. Hi Sherrod. I feel just like Karen. You feel just like Karen? <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassingly white. Embarrassed. Oh, uh, come on. My camera's just acting like a monkey. If you could just get it together once. I mean, yeah, I'm trying. That's better? It's not. Not? <laughs> <laughs> well, Roger Stone's on the show. We got Roger coming in. Uh, he it says he's connecting to audio now. I'll get there. Uh, these old people, they don't know how to work stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we get for having boomers on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Baby boomers? John, I'm talking about you. <laughs> oh, holy shit. God damn it, Karen. Go to your room. You're grounded. <laughs> what is an exciting show? You know about Roger Stone, right, Kay? Don't we all? I, lo yeah. I watch a documentary and immediately stand. Oh, you watched the documentary on what? Uh, uh, Netflix. It's called, it's called yeah, it's called Get Me Roger Stone. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Roger Stone. I don't know if you can hear us or not. Welcome to the show, anyway. Roger Stone is like if Forty Laws of Power was a person. <laughs> 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 and I love that book, and I love Roger Stone. I just do. I know you're like. I know like uh, the in this city right now, you're not supposed to love Roger Stone, but I I love Roger Stone. What a little sneaky guy. <laughs> he does come off like a real New Yorker. I'll I give you that. But uh, I don't know if he's connected yet. I don't know if he's having problems. I see his picture on the on us. There hey! we go. Oh, yes. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes, indeed. Yes, sir. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for coming on Race Wars. I really appreciate it. You look good. I feel okay. Consider all things considered. You know, all I'm things. The most, I'm the most dangerous man in America, as you know. That's I right. You up there. They had to send 29 FBI agents to take me down. Uh, you know, <laughs> only I didn't see that footage. Bin Laden, so, you know, I must be the most dangerous guy alive. I did question, why did they send so many uh, agents to your house like you, uh, some type of cartel leader? Uh, I think they wanted, it was meant to intimidate me. I think it was also meant to intimidate other witnesses 
that they wanted to testify falsely against uh, me, who ultimately did testify falsely against me. See, they don't understand. I, I'm half Italian. I'm actually Sicilian. Oh. I'm Italian from the waist down. Uh, and I, <laughs> I was not intimidated. Now, my poor wife still has nightmares about this, which is uncomfortable. Oh. But I actually had some inkling uh, that they were coming because uh, CNN slipped up. You see, they're getting an award, it was announced yesterday. The White House uh, Correspondents Association, also known as the Fake News Society, oh, gave an award to CNN because uh, they, based solely on a journalistic hunch, showed up 11 minutes before the FBI at my house and set up a camera. Oh. Totally on the basis of, you know, just a theory. They weren't tipped or anything. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's completely misproven by the facts. A reporter for CNN sent a draft of my indictment to one of my lawyers. Court markings on it or any timestamp, but it did have the metadata tags and the initial of the prosecutor who wrote it, Andrew Weissman. Now, she had an advanced copy of my indictment, which was, uh, uh, which was sealed mm. at 6.05 and wasn't unsealed by a federal magistrate in D.C. until 9.30 a.m. Absolute proof that CNN had an advanced tip of, of my arrest. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was quite a circus. 29 uh, totally SWAT-clad uh, agents carrying assault rifles, uh, arrived in 17 armored vehicles. There's a government helicopter overhead. At that time, I lived uh, on a canal. There were two amphibious units with frog <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they completely You might try to swim out of there. <laughs> they, they bring a bat, this big battering ram up to my front door. They've got these really mean looking dogs on leashes in a canine unit. That's a regular day for a black person, Roger. <laughs> I now understand what it's like to feel, to be black in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, welcome to the club. Uh, it was, uh, it was, and it was, it was completely unnecessary. First, I'm charged with white collar process crimes. Right. Not, not, I'm not the head of a drug cartel. Right. Secondarily, my lawyers spoke to the special counsel's office the day before. All they had to say was, as they always do in these type of cases, tell your client to surrender at such and such a time for arraignment. Yeah. They, they defended this, this uh, use of $1.1 million of the taxpayer's money to arrest me this way because they said I was a flight risk. Yet three <laughs> hours after they arrested me, they arraigned me at the courthouse, but they didn't ask for any cash bond on my, re my release. <laughs> oh, proving, see. Proving that they never thought I was a, a, a flight risk. A flight risk, risk. yeah. That, so who you think gave the information to CNN in the first place? Uh, I think it was probably Weissman. Remember that the producer of the segment uh, uh, at my home, a guy named Josh Campbell, was a special assistant to James Comey at the FBI. CNN is not a news organization. It's a propaganda front for the deep state. Literally nothing they say is true. You don't trust Ted Turner? Is that what you're telling me? You don't trust uh, sweet Teddy Turner? I, I do not. Nor, or, or, you know, and it's interesting because I always had a reasonable relationship with Anderson Cooper. He interviewed me several times. He always right. treated me respectfully and I treated him respectfully. I actually, don't get upset, I actually like Chris Cuomo. I've known him for 20 years. Yeah, uh, He's not a bad guy to have a beer with. 
his political <laughs> views are ridiculous. Uh, but since my arrest, uh, all of that's changed. I'm now, you know, I'm the worst dude on the face of the planet. It's so, so they let you out now. So do you have to go back in or something? That's what I read. Well, no, I, uh, I have, uh, I was convicted uh, of these completely fabricated charges of Was it obstruction uh, to the, for the Russian investigation with Mueller? Well, that, that's what's one of the charges. What they basically did was um, for 16 months, I was gagged and I couldn't even do a broadcast like this. I was not allowed to defend myself. Right, the judge gagged you, right? Right, because I might taint the jury as if the Washington Post and CNN are not tainting the jury. Uh, and the Mueller investigation uh, continually leaked, which is illegal, saying, Roger Stone will be, uh, will be charged with treason. Roger Stone will be charged with conspiracy against the United States. Roger Stone will be charged with laundering, uh, laundering millions in Russian campaign contributions. Roger Stone will be charged with mail fraud, wire fraud, aiding and abetting a felony, uh, accessory to a felony after the fact, cyber crimes, including unauthorized access to a protected computer, receipt uh, and dissemination of stolen data. And at the end of the day, after a full proctological examination by the dirty cops, they couldn't find evidence of any of those crimes because they don't exist. So then they hoped up a totally fabricated lied to Congress charge that when I went in voluntarily to the House Intelligence Committee that I had misled the Congress uh, about the Trump campaign's interest in the WikiLeaks disclosures, which would be perfectly illegal, uh, and to violate the false statement, well, you have to have both intent uh, and you have to have materiality. In other words, nothing that I allegedly lied about hid any real crime. There was no underlying criminal activity. Mm. This was a setup, and I didn't have a fair trial. I had a completely hostile jury. I had a jury for a woman who was posting social media uh, attacks on me and Twitter and Facebook uh, starting the day I was arrested. Uh, the judge uh, basically. <laughs> when did you find that out? Did your judge, did your lawyer vent those uh, jurors? How do you vet somebody who has their social media postings on a private setting? Oh, yeah. She had it all hidden and then she deleted it right after the trial oh. to basically cover her trail. So when the judge says it was your lawyer's responsibility, first of all, that's not what the law says. The law says that you are supposed to believe the, 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 uh, the uh, statement of the juror. But secondarily, she was hiding who she really was. Uh, and then she deleted who she really was. Um, that's one of the, uh, one of the uh, issues on appeal. Wow. So um, uh, I should have been granted a new trial alone on that basis. The Supreme Court is really clear that every defendant is entitled to an impartial and indifferent jury. There was nothing indifferent about this woman. She hated my guts. Right. You know, it's her Mr. Best Stone. Friend, her uh, best friend was Donna Brazil. So, Mr. Stone. That's you, not yeah, no. you, you say you're no threat to the nation, but did you or did you not threaten my friend Randy Credico's dog? I did. <laughs> I did but first of all, if, if Randy Credico is your friend, I'm leaving right now. Because <laughs> he perjured himself in the trial. Uh, he actually threatened to shoot one of the other uh, grand jury witnesses in the head. We have that email. <laughs> uh, but if you saw the email before the email, which I'm alleged to have threatened to take his dog, I said to him, are you feeding that dog? That dog doesn't look well to me. I'm going to report you to the ASPCA. See, context is important in these things. Yeah. <laughs> I, will say this, I will say this for Credico. He does the best Nixon impression 
of anybody. And a great Kissinger, too. He does a pretty good Kissinger, but his Nixon, who I spent a lot of time with, is right on the money. Better than David Fry, better than Rich Little. He does the best Nixon out there. Now, speaking of Nixon, do you see any comparisons between your boy Donald Trump and Richard Nixon? Yeah, I do. Nixon, let's, say, let's run through them. Well, Nixon was for peace. Let's go through Nixon's record, if we may. Okay. He reached, an, he reached a strategic arms limitation with the Russians. Yeah. Uh, he opened the door to China. He ended the war in Vietnam. He desegregated the public schools, not Johnson, not Kennedy, Richard Nixon, without bloodshed or incident. Uh, he gave us affirmative action. That's a Nixon administration policy. I'm one of the few conservatives who continues to defend it. Uh -huh. uh, he uh, ended the, uh, the military draft for 18-year-old men. He, uh, he gave us the 18-year-old vote. He formed the Environmental Protection Agency. Uh, and he was a peacemaker. Uh, he basically wanted to play the Chinese and the Russians off against each other, uh, which he did quite skillfully. Uh, and he was, uh, he was an outsider. He was not the choice of the political establishment. Right, he, they hated him. They hated him. He made a great political comeback uh, to get elected in 1968. Um, but he was... He was an introvert in an extrovert's business. You know, he never really knew where to put his hands. Yeah. You could see that he was kind of uncomfortable in his own skin. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he, he obviously had an enormous resilience. I have a tattoo of him on my back. It's true. Right. That's right. I, I think I've seen pictures of it. It's about the size of a pineapple. You know, it's right <laughs> between my, my shoulder blades. And here's the point. It's not a political statement. It's a reminder every day that when you get knocked down, when you're defeated, when you, when you fall short, when you fail to achieve something you really want, and you're discouraged and you're ready to quit, you got to get back in the game. The story yeah. of Nixon is just a story about persistence and resilience. Yeah. Like it's an American story. It's not even political in that sense. Just the guy had amazing uh, persistence, and he ultimately succeeds. Even he was after tenacious. Even he was after very impeachment, tenacious. he comes yeah. back as a key advisor to Bill Clinton on on foreign policy regarding both China and Russia. So, can I, uh, can I say something, Sherrod? Yeah, go ahead, no. um, It reminds me of something. I took inspiration from you. I was uh, in the middle of a, of a business deal that was going very, very bad and was gonna be a, a, really a, a disaster for me. And then I saw your documentary or the documentary about you, and one of your roles was something like, it's not over until you quit or something like that. It's a, and, paraphr it's a paraphrase of Nixon who says, a man is not, finished when he's defeated. He's only finished when he quits. It goes on from there to say, until you have been in the deepest valley, you cannot appreciate the majesty of the highest mountaintop. It's a daily reminder that you just, you can never give up. You have to keep, you know, pursuing your dreams no matter what. You can't be uh, discouraged by setbacks and defeats. Uh, are they going to try to make you uh, go back to go back to jail at the end of June? Or well, you, uh, uh, I haven't been. To, I have not been to jail yet. Um, I haven't had that high honor. But, they, okay. but right now, I am ordered to uh, report to a COVID nineteen infested prison on June thirtieth. Uh, I filed an appeal, but my appeal will not. Even the beginning motions of my appeal will not be heard until August. So uh, absent some action by the president, um, despite the fact that Michael Avenatti's out and Michael Cohn is out and Paul Manafort's Michael out. Michael Avenatti's out? Oh, yeah. He got out first. He was out before anybody. He, How did, guy out. he got out because of coronavirus? Yes, absolutely. Holy shit. This was planned. <laughs> uh, but, you know, right now I'm looking at uh, turning myself in uh, on, uh, on June 30th. We'll June 30th. Happens. 
So you're going to have to at least stay in there until August until the appeal is heard? No, I would stay in there until uh, my conviction was overturned or until the president either pardoned me or commuted my sentence, uh, which is... You think he's going to look out? You think he's going to look out for it? Yeah. I mean, I have, I've been very forthright about the fact that I'm praying that that happened, but if you're asking me, has anybody promised me that or am I assured of it? The answer is no. No. Have you spoken to the president? I have not. Um, his lawyers will not permit me to speak to him and my lawyers won't permit me to speak to him. Didn't he but say he, something in the news though? I saw something in the news. He said something that you shouldn't worry or something like that. He, he tweets constantly about my case. He said it was a miscarriage of justice. Uh, yeah. He said, he pointed out that the jury forewoman was biased. Um, a week ago, he said that I should sleep well at night. I guess he's heard that I'm not doing great. Um, it's an enormous amount of stress because- Yeah, worry. I, I can believe it. Well, the first thing they do is destroy you financially. Mm. So I, if, to finance the initial part of my legal defense, oh, yeah. I lost everything. I mean, I lost my home, one of my two cars. The one car I have left is 15 years old, um, my insurance, my savings. Uh, my ability to make a living, because when you make a living by writing and speaking, but you're gagged, nobody's going to hire you to do anything. Right. Uh, and uh, they put enormous pressure on me. July uh, 24th, 2019, the, the dirty cops working for Robert Mueller offered my lawyers a deal. If your client will just confess, if he will come clean, if he'll, if he'll re-remember the content of these 29 phone calls that we have records of between himself and candidate Trump in 2016, we, we might be willing to recommend to the judge that he serve no jail time. If on the other hand, he won't cooperate, we could issue a superseding indictment and hit him with more charges to ensure that he dies in prison. Oh, wow. I, I refuse to take the deal because it, it would have been a lie. It's not true. I don't know any negative information about the president. I would have to lie, I'd have to make it up, and I refuse to do that. Right, but it's good. I'm not Michael Cohen, I'm a different guy. It is a little refreshing to see dirty cops messing with white people too though, Roger, I gotta be honest. (laughs) Well, as as somebody um, who has been marching against, writing against, crusading against the war on drugs, who's called it Nixon's single biggest mistake, let's recognize the man who turbocharged the war on drugs. The man who, who gave us the harsh mandatory penalties Reagan. for the first time nonviolent crime of possession of small amounts of drugs for personal use, uh, where a judge has no discretion, a law that has fallen disproportionately on black people and poor people is Joe Biden. The Biden oh, bill. Oh, shots fired. The Biden bill? That's what you're talking about? That's what he used to call it. Now, it's the 1994 crime bill. Right. Bill, bill Clinton's guilty here, too. But yeah. this has been an ignominious, racist failure. It, it has destroyed lives. It's destroyed families. It rehabilitates nobody. And if you're a conservative, you're paying millions, at this point, billions in tax money to incarcerate people who are not violent criminals. Exactly. Listen, a lot of people went to, uh, went to jail for that f- stupid-ass crime bill in 94, but I know the Clintons get all the, all the, all the credit for it, because, but it was a lot of people hand, who had their hands in it. Oh, but Bill, uh, Joe Biden is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. He's the chief sponsor of the bill, and it's his committee that the bill comes from. He is the architect of this disaster. He, yeah. still won't, he still won't admit it. He argued with a woman in New Hampshire back during the primaries about what a great success this has been. The only thing it's been successful is, is it, the only way in which it's been a success is blocking up a record number of black people. Right. Uh, but I think he did kind of come out and try to go against it uh, of late. 
But do you still think, even with that, he's a better choice, uh, a better choice than Trump in uh, in the election? No, I, I mean a stronger candidate. I know you're not going to come out against your boy because he's no, going to get you out of jail. I'm a hundred. I'm a hundred percent for Trump. I, think <laughs> I, I can understand that. Now, I've known him forty years, uh, and um, you know, I I really thought that we'd gotten to the point in our politics where people were sick of the career politicians and uh, the only two candidacies that interested me as outsiders were Bernie Sanders, who, right. was, who I thought was an outsider and, you know, who actually believed what he said, even though I disagreed with it, and Trump. Uh, the rest of them are all like, you know, they're all the same. They're, I love Bernie. I was, I'm a big Bernie fan. Uh, he grew on me. I wasn't always a uh, supporter, but I, I saw how many other uh, politicians adopted what he was talking about the last time he ran. They saw I, lost, the Bernie. I lost a lot of respect for him when he endorsed Hillary. He should not have done that. It, I mean, so. but he was that he had his back against the wall. I voted for Hillary, and I feel horrible for it. But uh, my mother was fucking dying. I could not vote for the first woman president. I had to vote for my mother, too. So I was like, ah, I'm going to give it to Hillary, even though I did not want to vote for her. Well, uh, I, I'm a... Uh, uh, but I, I didn't want to vote for Trump, either. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I think that overall... I lost a lot of respect for Bernie both times. Right. But this poor guy got screwed twice by the same people. By the DNC, because they, they were in the Clinton pocket. Out of it. He would have won the nomination four years ago. They cheated him out of it. Yes. Uh, and um, I would not have made a deal with him. I would not have endorsed her if I were him. Now, how do you think uh, Trump is looking at his election now with all this stuff going on with the George Floyd uh, controversy taking over the whole country, as it should, and all, everybody's calling for a police reform? How, and he he's only tweeting about the old man who fell down in Buffalo. It's like who, I mean, got pushed down. Antifa, <laughs> the Antifa agent who fell down in Buffalo. That's right. He's making a lot. Oh boy. Well, what do you say about all, that, Raj? First, Come of all, on. first of all, the state of Minnesota should have hit these four cops with much tougher charges. Third degree murder. That's BS. Yes. They should, they should have gone for the max. Uh, there's no way to excuse what happened. Now, I am curious to know whether George Floyd and the cop knew each other prior to their encounter in the street. Me too. Because I believe they did. I do, too. I'd like to I know what that relationship is, and I'd like to know whether this cop had a motive to yeah. George Floyd. Because that could be he first degree right there. Because in the video, he sure looks to me like he's enjoying it. So yeah. I'd, like to know, I'd like to know the truth of that. I think there's more that there that, than we're being told. Well, that so makes sense, right? Say that, that, Karen? I would speak to intent, right? So then it yeah, would be a whole other charge. Well, I have seen what I think is credible evidence that they both worked security at the same nightclub, which would mean they knew each other. And if right. that's true, there needs to be a greater investigation of what the relationship was here. Uh, and that said, you ask about an election that isn't tomorrow. The dynamics of the election can shift so dramatically. Look what we've already been through. Russia, then Ukraine, then COVID. Oh, wait a minute. Wear, wear a mask. Millions are going to die. Wait a minute. Never mind the mask. Nobody's dying. Go to the streets and demonstrate. It's kind of hard to reconcile. Uh, is, the, so, is Trump the right man to be president right now in these times? I think he's the only one who is because you already see that the policy of cutting taxes and regulations is bringing the job market back already. I mean, this new jobs report came out of nowhere and really shocked everybody, including me. But it shows that the same formula that had brought Hispanic unemployment, black unemployment, unemployment among women, Unemployment among all Americans to the lowest point in history had created the greatest job boom and the greatest wage growth in history. 
it's working again. The fundamentals are still working. Yeah, but a strong economy is great. But if you're a black man driving to your, on your way to work and getting killed on the way to work, the economy don't really mean that well, much. Which is why I'm for criminal justice reform and I've been talking about it for 30 yeah. years. I'm a, yeah. I'm a libertarian. Don't, don't pigeonhole me as some kind of... I know. Because I'm Mr. not. Mr. Stone, so, so you've spoken to Donald Trump alone. I think you, I assume you know what's really in his heart. What does he really intend for the country vis-a-vis -vis immigration? Uh, once I, I, I think he'd like to have a system in which the people who come here legally for the promise of America go through the steps, but we don't reward people who come here illegally and become a burden on the taxpayers. I think that's, that's his intent. I don't think he wants to shut down our borders completely. That's not realistic. That's not what America is about. But he seems like he want to shut it down to the garbage countries that he named, and it was mostly brown and black people. I don't think that's I don't think that's accurate. I, no. I disagree with that. But um, you know, look, I'm not an expert on immigration. I do know that just by enforcing the existing laws, the right. flow of illegals has really trickled off very substantially. We weren't even we weren't even enforcing the books that, the laws that are already on the books. I mean, it's always seemed to me that if they actually did stop uh, the, uh, the flow of immigration, it would be Republicans who complained first. They need the labor. They, I mean, they, they depend on immigrants for everything. That's why the Koch brothers are big supporters of the current system, which is, I think is broken. There needs to be, God, I'll get lynched for this, but there, yeah, there needs to be a path to citizenship. Yeah. I believe yeah. that. People I think it should be too, yeah. Life. Because that's what America has always been about. You know, you come here and you try to you become a citizen and work your way up. That's what... Everybody, that's what they looked at this country for. So it's like, why is it stopping now when some of these people are not just coming from Europe? But I do think that, that Trump understands that a rising tide lifts all boats. In other words, yeah. you look, if you look at any analysis, you have an emerging African-American middle class in this country. And I know what they want. They want a piece of the action. They don't yeah. want to be employees. They want to be employers. Yeah. They want to own. They want to prosper. They want to have safe schools and safe neighborhoods just like everybody else. Mm. Uh, I see so. that Trump today that he sent a letter over to CNN because they got him 14 points behind Joe Biden. So now he's uh, he sent the letter over there signed by a whole bunch of lawyers for them to pull all that information off that he said is all lies. Yeah, I would not, I mean, first of all, just being in this business for 40 years, you can make any polls to anything you want by fiddling with the wording of the question or the size of the sample or the order of the questions. I mean data can be manipulated to show whatever you want it to. Right. Uh, and polls are not necessarily a self-fulfilling prophecy. The reason most of the polls were wrong in 2016 was not because they were purposely rigged. It was because they were based on the false premise that the makeup of the electorate in 2016 would be identical to the makeup of the electorate in 2012, which was never realistic because more black people were going to come out for Obama than were going to come out for, for uh, Hillary, and more rural voters were going to come out for Trump than came out for country club Mitt Romney. Uh, there was no way that the electorate was going to be the same, and it was really very different. Do you and think gerrymandering had a hand in that too? Well, only in, the, only in the congressional elections. I mean, the truth is there's only a handful of districts in the country that are really competitive. The rest of them are all either safely Republican or safely Democrat, and there really is no, there's really no fight. So- Gerrymandering doesn't implicate the presidential election or- it, no, no, but it can still, no. it can still swing everything else, all the it, legislation. It, it swings both, it can swing um, the, the House most certainly. Right, 
And that's what, like, you were in 2010, when, uh, 2012, when it happened? Or 2000, when they won all the fucking seats, all the Republicans swept because they, the they uh, redrew the map in 2010 from the census and uh, just uh, made all the black votes and all the Democratic votes weak because they put them all in the same county. <laughs> Come on, Roger. You know the white man is tricky sometimes. I, I actually don't think that happened, but it, but it would be subject to, to judicial challenge. You can't, you can't do that. Oh, I, they did it. I'll send you the documentary. It's called Slay the Dragon. I mean, and they did it in Michigan. Democrats did do that for many years. You're right. Uh, yeah, both both parties fucking play that game. They both play that dumb game. But yeah, that's why that census is so important. Nobody talks about that part of the census. And this is 2020 right now. That uh, that's how they get to choose whose vote goes to what county, and if it's going to be strong Republican uh, a base or strong uh, Democratic base. And well, also, you, got, you look at the shape of these districts. You know, they're they're supposed to be homogenous, but they're, right. They've they got one called the snake and one like two owls on a branch. <laughs> it's weirdly. Do you have any insight into Roger Ailes and Fox News? I used to watch a lot of Fox Roger's News. Roger's a friend, you know. Uh, no, I, uh, I, used to, I used to watch a lot of Fox News. I used to watch Ryan. I used to really enjoy it. And some point after he died, pretty soon, it turned the corner on me and I really felt like I was just watching right-wing propaganda. And I, f I wonder if that's somehow a subtle change because – of Roger Ailes' yes. insight into how to do it. Uh, you know, I knew Ailes extremely well going back to the Nixon days. He was a, a, he was a genius, and he understood that the news had to be intelligent, had to be entertaining. That if you didn't engage people in an entertaining way, they would just turn the channel. I actually think Fox is looking more and more like CNN, particularly during the day. Uh, not so much true in their you know nighttime lineup with the. Tucker Carlson's been my friend for 30 years and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, which are still there. That's where they're. Nobody's perfect, are. Roger. I guess. That's, that's where the big numbers are. Uh, on the other hand, you could go watch Don Lemon if you just want brainless diatribe. I, I like, you know what? I think after all this stuff is done, we need a 12 part uh, documentary on the, uh, the transition of Don Lemon. <laughs> Cause he turned into, I mean, I like him, but he definitely is not the same Don Lemon that he started out, out at in CNN. Well, I will say this. He's a good dresser. He's always been a good dresser. Uh, and he had uh, New Year's Eve, he had the most gorgeous tartan dinner jacket on. But then the guy didn't wear a bow tie with it, which is like, you know. Ah, uh, that's a, a faux pas. That is really such a Roger Stone complaint. <laughs> He's a fashionista. Stay on brand. <laughs> it's a fashion error, really. No, but he didn't have his fashionable cane and his top hat. <laughs> I get it. So, uh, first of all, so you don't like Governor Cuomo. How do you feel about Cuomo? Because you're in New York. Or you live in a, you lived in Harlem, right? Uh, you had a spot in Harlem. I mean, I'm just on what basis? I on a personal basis because I know Andrew Cuomo and I right. know Chris and I like both of them on a personal level. Right. I don't like their policies. I I don't think Andrew Cuomo is a liberal. I don't think he actually believes in anything other than winning and power, and he's really good at playing the game. Really. Do you think he looks strong during this whole coronavirus? Was he like yeah, he took charge I, of the state? I think, he's handled, him? I think he's handled himself well. It's not his fault that none of the projections panned out to be what we thought they might be, but I think he's performed well. Do you I, think I, that he would be a, bit, a better opponent, a better chance of beating Trump than uh, Joe Biden? No question. I just don't think there's any way to get from here to there. In other words, I think I don't see how you displace the guy who, who I think as of the Georgia primary has enough votes uh, to be nominated on the first ballot. But where do things happen at conventions before, right, Rod? 
not in not in modern times. Right. In modern times, we the last convention we had, where where uh, somebody where either party got to the convention and nobody had it locked up, was uh, probably 1952. You could argue 1976 between Ford and Reagan, but not really. Right. Uh, because they front load all these primaries and conventions and caucuses, you know, by the middle of the season, you pretty much know who the nominee is going to be. Would Andrew Cuomo be a stronger and more articulate nominee than Joe Biden? No question about it. But I, I don't think I think it's too late to make that change. It's too late now. What about vice president? Do you think he's going to pick a a black vice president, Joe Biden? Or does that well, matter? On it's, a be a, it's going to be a woman. Therefore, he's already limited his choices. Uh, I think it'd be kind of ironic if he took Kamala Harris, because then you'd have the two people in America who have incarcerated more black people than anybody you can name. Uh, how about Minnesota, the Minneapolis Police Department? <laughs> I can uh, name disgraceful. Disgraceful. But let's see how they do with no police. I don't think that's going to work either. And what how, how do you feel about Pence, too, by the way? You know, did, how, how much time you ever spent around him? I, I don't know him well. Um, you know, the job of vice president uh, is, to, is to be standby equipment. That's kind of don't upstage the boss. Don't have your own independent It can profile. be. You can work, Al Gore worked it a little differently. He did, but not differently enough because he went on to get his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> My bus, uh, bus beat him, right? Yep. Nub. Uh, so do, how, what do you think about like uh, Mitt Romney coming out? He marched with the protesters. Why can't Trump just say something positive or well, something that the, the can bring the country together, for Christ's sakes? Everything he's saying is just divisive, divisive, divisive. First, let's look at the Mitt Romney situation, if we may. Okay. Mitt Romney lives in Massachusetts. He decides to run for the U.S. Senate in Utah, a state he does not live in. But right. he's got roots in. He goes to Donald Trump and he says, the state treasurer in Utah, who's a Trump guy, wants to run for the Senate. Will you clear this guy out of the race? Trump clears him out of the race. Then Romney says, I need your endorsement, Mr. President, to get elected to the Senate. Trump endorses him. Then the guy gets elected. And just like his father, George Romney, did to Barry Goldwater, Mitt knifes him right in the middle of the back. He is a <laughs> traitor. This guy believes in nothing. He's as, phony as, he's as phony as his hair color. <laughs> I mean, the guy ran for the U.S. Senate in Massachusetts to the left of Ted Kennedy. I didn't know there was any room over there. Now suddenly he says he's a, he's a severely conservative Republican. Nobody who's a conservative would ever describe themselves as severely conservative. <laughs> you say he's a phony, but people can say the same thing about the uh, George Bush, the original, because they all moved down from Connecticut down to Texas and acting like they, you know, oil men. Well, maybe you haven't read my book, The Bush Crime Family by Roger Stone, but I recommend yeah. it. You can find it on Amazon. And what, what, what would you and what'd you say about him in there? Uh, it's pretty amazing. First of all, I don't think they believed in anything either. Other they than, like the mob. They like the mafia. Other, yes. Other than lining their own pockets and the pockets of their friends. Uh, I think uh, that they were involved in drug trafficking at the CIA. I think they were involved in an assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. I think that they what? Uh, I think that the uh, that they. Well, I mean, you got to read the book. It's 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 all there. Wait, so you think the Bushes were behind when uh, Reagan got shot? Yes, I do. No, I'm got, jumping I, there. I back up everything I say. I think so too. I, I, I believe it. I mean, I've never heard anybody like really explain it like that, but it makes sense to me. Well, we got a couple different problems with it, okay? Let's just get into a little bit of it. Uh, both NBC and CBS, both uh, Leslie Stahl and Judy Woodruff, report a second man who can be seen on a balcony above where Reagan is shot. Go on YouTube and try to find those videos today. You won't find them. They're gone. 
I have copies of them. Uh, if you see the actual photos and you expand them where they haven't been cropped, you can clearly see a man holding what appears to be a gun. The, the direction of the bullet that hits Reagan comes from above, not below, but Hinckley is crouching. On the ground, right. Right. That's not right either. The number of bullets doesn't add up. If you, if you count the bullet that hit the one police officer, one bullet that hits across the street, and the bullet that grazes Trump, uh, pardon me, Reagan, you got too many bullets. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't, and the report has never been released. It never been released? Never been released. Well, they're so gonna not, wait after 50 years to release it or some nonsense like that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what their excuse is for not releasing. But I mean, look, I wrote I wrote a book on the Kennedy assassination as well. That was actually my first book. I think it's my best book. But uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy realist. Wow. My attitude is that if the government's telling you something, the odds are overwhelming that it's bullshit. Who, who oh, killed like Malcolm the, X? Who killed Malcolm X? Oh yeah, it was uh, that was the that was the nation of Islam. That was the nation of Islam. Yeah, that was the nation. You know, Some I, brothers I, from I, Newark, Newark, New Jersey. They went up there and shot him in the Harlem. I, I have uh, I have devoured every biography I can find of Malcolm X. I, I'm fascinated by the subject. Uh, I'm not nearly as knowledgeable as I am on say the Kennedy assassination, but he's someone I admire. As a matter of fact. Yeah, they already they already uh, traced that back to the nation of Islam. Uh, it was a mosque that was in Newark, New Jersey. And everybody in Newark already knows that the, that's where that's the mosque that the guys who killed uh, Malcolm X came from. Well, uh, he was a he was a threat to the power structure of his time. He was yeah. A, he was a threat to the established black leadership. He was, would you would you agree with the following that the, that the, the pandemic gave Trump ought to have given Trump or did give him give Trump reelection on a silver platter, and he messed it up by looking for a foil every day rather than just being unifying. No, I wouldn't agree with that. You wouldn't agree. So I, why? Why am I, I wrong? I think that, that ultimately he was hurt by it because it destroyed his strongest argument for election, a vibrant economy, uh, and that it dragged on and on and on. And ultimately, people began to realize that, where am I staying home wearing this mask for? Where are all the bodies piled up that I was told were coming? And the polling I looked at does show that people hold the Chinese to be responsible. They, they, didn't, they were not forthright about this from the beginning. So, well, so let me let me rephrase it then. If you, did he fail to minimize the damage of the pandemic as he could have by being more unified? If he had done that, then he would have been accused of not taking it seriously enough. Look, he can't, this guy can't win. Doesn't matter what he does, the Trump haters will continue to criticize him. So if he if he cured cancer tomorrow, the headline would be Trump puts doctors out of work. I mean, yeah, that's a good black one. Doctors, black doctors. Black doctors. Black doctors. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like when Jesse Jackson ran for president. I told you when uh. They said he could walk on water, and the next day, front page is say Jesse can't swim. <laughs> so the Chinese, I, you know, here's the thing with the Chinese. They have these facilities all around the country, okay? So if your facility is the one that released any kind of fucking pandemic, you're, you're, that whole region is in trouble. So they got reasons why they would keep it secret there away from the central government, because the central government is going to come down on whoever facility let that shit loose. So they, they have reasons to lie to the central government in China. Well, except for I kind of think the central government in China knows everything because they have spies everywhere because it's a very repressive regime. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm grateful that the president closed the country, you know, to traffic from China when he did or things might have been much worse. Um, overall, I think the COVID-19 thing has been damaging to the president's chances of re-election. But re that's because of the destruction of the economy, not because he wasn't 
he had a very difficult choice. He had to balance the, the health needs against the economic needs of the country. More people would end up killing themselves through suicide than would have died from the virus if we continued the shutdown of America and people not having jobs. You had more people unemployed than you had during the Great Depression. That's problematic. Do you think Trump could have handled the George Floyd uh, situation better and how, if so? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not going to comment on any of that. Come on, uh, other than to say, Other than to say that I think the police brutality in the George Floyd case is outrageous and that those cops should get the maximum penalty possible. And that the president ought to actually consider whether additional federal charges in terms of civil rights violations and so on, which are not, you know, not nearly as strong as the state laws, uh, but whether they, they're something there that would apply. Right. I mean, we're just in a, a real trying time in this country. It's getting pulled by every angle. And I think that he really needs to address this race thing. He needs to address the uh, police brutality. Well, well, and he got to get not... off this NFL kneel and shit. I mean, why is he still talking about uh, players shouldn't kneel? You're, like, you're absolutely right. The NFL needs to step up and pay their brain injured uh, players who are 88% African American, who they agreed years ago in a legal settlement to take care of. You've yeah. got Hall of Famers delivering pizza, the ones that are well enough to get out of bed. You've got very severely injured players here. They're overwhelmingly African-American, and the NFL keeps stalling. Oh, you, you forgot to include this comma in your claim. We're going to kick it back all the way to the beginning. This yeah. is disgraceful. You know, Roger Goodell. Uh, uh, Goodell. Goodell. This guy should be he's, – he's making a record amount of money. Yeah. The league is making a record amount of money. The teams are making a record amount of money. And they continue to discriminate against their overwhelmingly African-American veteran players. Yeah. They reached an agreement with them, and they have not paid them. The judge in this case is corrupt. The conservator of the fund, he's made $63 million. But I've met with the families of some of these NFL players. Wow. Uh, some of these guys are greats, uh, and they're dying. Because you see, once you die, the widow and the family, they get nothing under the settlement. So oh, really? Weed them out. They're just so they're trying to weed them out. They're just trying to make them take as much time as they can so they, these guys can just die off. Exactly right. This can I tell you something race. about Trump on race and why, why it's, he's almost hopeless for him? So there's a, there's a comedian. I'll tell, who, I'll tell you who it is off the air, Sharab, but you definitely uh -huh. know him. And uh -huh. I was standing next to him at the bar during Trump's um, Republican convention address. And he was talking, he was doing a thing about, you know, black, black Americans, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Oh, that, yeah. whole, that whole uh, theme he was doing. And this comedian was, I was there. He was nodding yes. And he was moved by what Trump was saying. And he was clearly winning him over. And then two days later, after the commentariat had spun Trump's address to like as, as being insensitive and whatever they, however they packaged it, he was on Facebook tweeting about Trump's racist address you know but left to his own and uh, taking it in on his own right he was, he was actually with moved by trump's uh angle on race it was very interesting because that's how they get you though because trump yeah it's like what do black people have to lose we've been taking the ass whooping but it ain't like if we take this worse it's going to get better it can just get worse <laughs> well you don't you don't know that actually that's you right. only know what the democrats have done for you oh yeah i don't and i, I don't, don't trust the democrats at all i'm independent as well and i don't trust those sons of bitches either so I, I do think you got to have uh, you need to have an urban strategy. Yeah, I think the black I think black voters need to fucking play these parties and send these parties playing us. Uh, agree, absolutely. We need uh, to take control of both fucking parties. We got to say who wants our vote this year. 
Well, just remember, let's remember traditionally which party is the party of civil rights. Yeah, uh, well, originally it's Republican because that was Lincoln. Exactly right. The only the Civil Rights Bill of 1964 passes only with Republican votes, rounded up by Vice President Richard Nixon in 1958. Uh, the party's lost its way. You yeah. need to go back to that, in my opinion. That's why I, that's why I call myself a Jack Kemp or Tom Kane Republican. I wanna I wanna go back to being the party of civil rights. That's why I still defend affirmative action. But that's why the Democrats ran that game in the 50s, 60s, and it was like, if we sign these uh, civil rights uh, bills, they'll be, we'll have black votes for the next 100 years. Well, and we can do whatever the fuck we want. And the, the genius of it was, not the, the evil genius it was, of it was, in the 1958 civil rights bill, the first major civil rights bill to pass, at the very last minute, Lyndon Johnson, that great lover of the black people, puts <laughs> an amendment that says that if you violate the civil rights law, you're tried before a state, not federal jury. Well, no jury in Mississippi or right. Georgia or Louisiana is going to convict a white man of a crime against a black man. None. It's yeah. a poison pill. And Roy Wilkins uh, and Dr. King yeah. uh, and James Farmer and James Meredith all say this law is worse than no civil rights law at all. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a, it's a game. It's a game. And, it's, uh, and the parties should compete for this vote. Yes, they should work for that vote. Nobody, I don't think we should be in the pocket of any fucking party. I don't think any person should be. I should, you should weigh your odds and see who's right for you. Every time I vote, I don't just go Democrat all the way down. I look for who's best in my fucking community. If I maybe touch base with them, spoke to them face to face, maybe sent an email, maybe on the social media. I try to get some type of connection to these people before I just say, ah, you got my vote automatically. Just because you, you got a D before your name. I think that's smart. But that's how a lot of people vote. Well, it, it's because of basic historical trends. In 1932, more African-Americans voted for Herbert Hoover than Franklin Roosevelt. Then the New Deal changes that. Now Democrats become habitually uh, uh, Democratic votes. But in 1960, running against John Kennedy, Nixon still gets one third of the African-American vote. Right. And Jackie Robinson is actively campaigning for Nixon in 1960. Dr. Yeah, e but Jackie Robinson also came out against Martin, I mean, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, so... Well, but uh, Nixon makes a tragic mistake. He has a warm relationship with Dr. King, but yeah. when Dr. King is arrested in Mississippi, he declines to get involved in the case because he's a lawyer. Jack Kennedy calls the, the, the uh, Coretta King just to soothe her, and the black vote switches overnight yeah. from Nixon to Kennedy. A, a gigantic mistake. Nixon went by the law. The Kennedys were playing politics, smart politics. But because it was being human. It's like it's, a, it's something to be said just to be a human being to a human being. It's yeah, like somebody, somebody got locked up, call his wife. That's yeah. the, Kennedy, the Kennedys bugged his room. No, no the question, King. Bobby Kennedy signs <laughs> off on the, on the warrant because J. Edgar Hoover is obsessed with, with uh, Dr. King. Yeah. Uh, and the Kennedys approved the bugging of his room. However, and plus, plus it's rumored that J. Edgar Hoover had things on the Kennedys by then all... Anyway, he so did. he had some type of leverage over them to do that to Dr. Bobby King. Kennedy was he interesting. He very definitely did. He had a dossier on everyone. He had on dossier, everybody. He had a dossier on Nixon. Really? Did you ever get to see it? No, but I know what was in it. Nixon um, used to like to travel through Hong Kong when he was in private practice in law between public service. And he had one particular hostess he was fond of in uh, Hong Kong. He had a little tasty taste. So uh, Hoover- he had her peeing on the bed, I think. Hoover, <laughs> Hoover goes to the uh, to British intelligence and has them bug Nixon's hotel room. Oh, in Hong uh, Kong. And then in 1968, 
when Nixon is elected president, one of the first meetings he has is with Hoover, who he really thinks is too old and he wants to retire. And Hoover has a brown envelope with him. He pulls out a picture of, they didn't call him Dip for nothing, by the way. He pulls out a picture <laughs> of, of Nixon and this Chinese hostess and says, don't worry, Mr. President, this, this picture is safe with me. They had taken the picture through the window of Nixon's hotel room. With his dick out. Well, and he was, I, didn't say, I didn't say that. I yeah, you said he was packing. I heard you, Roger. Uh, <laughs> are you personally aware of a president who did not cheat on his wife? Uh, uh, well, we had one gay president, so maybe that guy didn't. Who, who's the gay? Who was it? I forget which one. I think it's either Franklin Pierce or James Pierce. Pierce. Those guys way back. But, I'm saying it's like, yeah, Lincoln did but, sleep in a bed with his boy for years and years. No, and no, no, modern, no, more, no modern president, including Eisenhower, who allegedly had an affair with his driver during World War II. What? Kay Summersby, his driver, the woman who was his driver. He had a woman driver back then? Yes. In the oh, his wife should have saw that from, from a mile away. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, my woman barber. He's like, no, no. Maybe he was in the middle of running a war, so he was a little busy. Right. But yeah, everybody have a fear. But that's a lot of pressure on a on a. Pre but Obama, Obama didn't. Not that we know of. Obama didn't, because you know, Roger, if he did that story, what are these fucking Instagram uh, models going to keep that secret? <laughs> 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 this would be all over the news. I think Obama. But what about George? I don't think George W. Bush had affairs. Oh, you're completely wrong. It's documented oh. in my book, The Bush Crime Family. <laughs> Jennifer Fitzgerald, his long time. Squeeze. Uh, really? And uh, Laura didn't know? Laura knew? Oh, no, not George, pardon me. I don't mean, not, I don't mean George W. Bush. I mean George H. W. Bush. Oh, H. Uh, fa uh, the father had an affair on Barbara? Oh, yeah. Known, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, how is that? No, I didn't know that. I thought him and Barbara Bush, you see, like, Barbara is my everything. Well, for, wait a minute. If you were married to Barbara Bush, what would you be doing, brother? Yeah, I'd I'd be looking out. I'd be looking out to other, other places. I don't want to fuck George Washington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's a lovely lady, though. But uh, yeah, I didn't no, know not, he. No, not really. But I got in trouble on that one once before. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. What could you tell a millennial or like a millennial Gen Z young person who's voting right now about the current state of politics that would like blow our fucking minds? Um, I guess the thing I would say is be extremely skeptical about anything the government tells you because ninety nine percent of the time they're just not telling you the truth. We know. Make your yeah. make your own make your own decisions because the government just you know will not tell you the truth. When I was in London, I went there to speak um, to the Oxford Union, which is very prestigious. Fast forward two years later, I'm speaking at a strip club in Lexington, Kentucky, trying to raise money for my legal defense. It's been a long slide down. Uh, and I was like signing women's asses for, you know, $5. It was, uh, was ridiculous. Anyway. That is a uh, lot of money. Her ass. You can be selling CDs like a fucking comic. Uh, but I, I, did this, I did a show with the BBC, which turned out to be very combative. I won't, I won't go on with them again. It was like, how could you question the intelligence services of your own country? I'm what? like, are you kidding me? Have you ever read about the Kennedy assassination? Why these people lied about the the, the the Bay of Pigs? They lied about the Tonkin Gulf. They lied about weapons of mass destruction. They lied about so much. Definitely, if you're a black man, ever, why would you I, believe them? The question is not why would you not believe them. The question is why would you ever believe them? Yeah, I remember in the '80s when they had Mandela on the terrorist list. Black people never yeah. believed the government here. <laughs> man, Nelson Mandela was a, a terrorist up there with Osama bin Laden. No shit. Yeah, it's I don't true. Know. <laughs> How's that? 
Exactly. And you want black people to trust this fucking government? It's like, we can't. <laughs> well, um, I, was, I was disturbed when I went to trial in D.C. My, my trial, there were no African-American men on my jury. I wanted African-Americans on, on my jury because I don't think they trust the government. I think they they're skeptical of everything the government says. They decide on their own. That didn't yeah. work out that way. They don't even trust the comedy seller on <laughs> <laughs> The government is just, I don't know. But maybe all this will get it, make it better. Wait, who did, uh, I got a question. Who did, because um, you said every president cheated on their wife. Who was I thinking about? Uh, I said in modern times. I in modern times. What about the, the W? That, I, I, I'm unaware of him doing that. Yeah, I don't think he I did. Think, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, mean, I, I think, think he, W and Obama's the only two. I think he was a wild child prior to getting married. Yeah. And reputation as a party guy, but yeah. um, I don't know of any. I assume anybody who's drinking like that is cheating at least once. But you back in the day. I'm not really interested in the consensual adult relationships of our elected officials. I'm more interested in like Bill Clinton's long record of sexual assault and rape, which I wrote Absolutely. a book on, called That's The Clinton uh, yeah. War on Women. That's not... Yeah, but I'm now, no, you can't throw that around, Roger, without mentioning your boy now. You can't no. <laughs> mention all those assaults without throwing your boy on that list. Well, I mean, um, where's the proof? I, I, looked, I couldn't find the proof. <laughs> you get out of jail. Don't worry. You're going to get out. <laughs> I, I, I interviewed the women who Bill assaulted, whose upper lips he bit through. His oh, lips. boy. Wait, What? Was he a Marv Albert type of dude? Uh, he had a, he, at least three women said that in the case of an assault by Bill Clinton, he would bite through their upper lip. Oh my God. And a woman yeah. will then stop the bleeding. If you oh look God. at the many interviews with Juanita Broderick, she describes oh. this. Uh, it, it was, again, read my book, the, the, the Clinton's War on Women. It's probably the book that got me indicted. <laughs> I gotta read that one. And what's the Bush one? Bush Crime Family. I'm an equal opportunity uh, critic, man. I'm not. I'm not in anybody's pocket. Been, I respect that. I mean, I am. I, I'm a. I was. I left the Republican Party briefly to become a libertarian. Then I found out how completely fucked up they are, so I went back to the Republican Party. <laughs> uh, but I'm not a lockstep. You know, I voted. I voted for some Democrats, but you know, I don't. <laughs> don't let that get out. But you know, Sharad, I'm gonna. I'm gonna back him up on that because uh, I did a little research into the Trump thing. First of all. When they, there was New York Times did a big story about all the women who worked for Trump right at the beginning when yeah. he was running. They didn't turn up one single woman and all these women that have been working for him all these years who had any complaints about him. Not one. Right. They couldn't think Bloomberg couldn't run for office for 30 seconds before the women started coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, but the Bloomberg women was talking about him or his company. About him and his comments oh. and his this. Oh, and yeah, yeah, his and, jokes. And then there, there was a woman who claimed that Trump, like, molested on an airplane, and PBS had this interview with her. But then they ran the whole interview on YouTube, and I went and looked at it. And she actually looked in the camera. She said, well, you know, if he had just kept it above the waist, I might have been okay with it. And they cut that out of the, the interview. Meaning, wow. like, they were kind of, like, making out. He went too far. It wasn't – so I don't know about the other, the other accusations. I'm not saying – but I'm saying they do spin these things. They do spin know? them. They do spin yeah. them. Also, why would you force yourself? Look, there's no question that he was a major playboy in between wives, but why would you force yourself on women when you don't need to? Exactly, that's one thing, too. He has game. You know, Elliot Spitzer had no game. Elliot Spitzer had to pay for it because this guy had no game. He could go into a bar with 100 women and two guys, and he would come out alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spitzer really blew his fucking career up, and he was a pretty effective politician. Uh, well, it's, it's useful to have a billionaire father who will make illegal loans to your campaign. 
Yeah. Are you making legal loans? A guy who does it with his black socks on. Come on. I mean. Well, I've, I've been caught, I've been guilty of that a couple of times, Roger. Sometimes you can't get those socks off in time. That's another fashion football right there. <laughs> I can see you taking your socks off and then comfortably folding them <laughs> and placing them and then smashing. I don't, I don't even wear socks, so that's a- <laughs> There you go. You were down there in Palm Beach. Oh, that Get is the craziest thing anybody's said on this podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think Trump's going to pull it out in November? What do you think now, honestly? I do. I, I think it's going to be a very competitive race, but there's too many imponderable. First of all, what's the geographic dislocation based on COVID at that point? Some, none. What states are doing mail ballots and what states are not doing mail ballots? Right. Um, if you pass a federal mail ballot law, it's going to get challenged in the courts immediately because, as I said, 12 state constitutions prohibit it. 35 states require the showing of a photo ID. The federal government can't just run roughshod over those state laws or state constitutions. So it's going to be, it could be a hodgepodge of different systems in different states. Uh, you don't know how the debates go. You don't know whether either party can actually have a convention. Yeah. or whether that whole thing's going to be, you know, virtual. So right. just too many things we don't know. Look how fast the narrative has changed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I do believe that there are people trying to exploit this tragedy in Minneapolis for a different agenda. Mm-hmm. They're not there for George Floyd. They're for, they're for anarchy. And that's oh, yeah, some thing. are. Yeah, some of those. But I, I, I enjoyed seeing the videos of the real protesters rounding up the fake fuckers, rounding up these anarchists and uh, fucking antagonists, and then throwing them across the line to the police, saying, arrest them. Yeah. We're not out here breaking stuff. So they grabbing motherfuckers who break in. And a lot of times, all these videos is like white people who dress, got a mask on, and yeah. breaking windows and handed out bricks to people. It's like, first yeah. of all, that ain't how anybody protests. That's how we know nobody comes with a, a truck of bricks to hand exactly. out to everybody. They don't, they don't, they don't just deliver a pallet of bricks. It's That's like, right, and they sit it right there. And who's paying for the buses? Who's paying for the trucks? I mean, come on. It's, you know, you can tell an indigenous, legitimate, peaceful protest from people who just want to smash and grab. But people always been trying to hijack our pain as black people in this country. And that's why I'm glad to see that we're policing this shit ourselves in a lot of these cases. Just to get, that's some, so the media can tell who's who, because they'll just, they'll just do a, a, a broad stroke of everybody. So they, we, we got to make sure they said no to protesters and people out there for George Floyd against these motherfuckers who are just out there to gain something for their own personal gain. No, I'm not sure it's for their, I don't think it's for their game unless, of course, they're being paid to be there as a, you know, as a... As oh, a someone pro- just want a PlayStation for free there, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody don't want to play for the Nikes or the Air Jordans, so they're just going to go in and get some sneakers. But, you know, but people want to act like destruction of property is not part of American history, like the Boston Tea Party never happened. It's like, what about that? That was, just, that was destroying people's property. And, and when they did it, the, they dressed up as natives. <laughs> And they tried to throw the blame off themselves. They wasn't honest about it. The British had to find out it was them. They dressed up as Native Americans so they won't get blamed for that destruction. Oh, if you ain't doing that, you know it's us. Is that blackface? Is that, is that allowed even? <laughs> that was brownface. Brownface? Oh, <laughs> we got to cancel them. <laughs> or featherface, if you were there. <laughs> you do you th- i know this is like an inherent like, like kind of a contradictory question but do you see from your perspective another random ass black swan event happening between now and the election like we already had a freaking pandemic <laughs> race riots whatever else like what could possibly come next that we're not seeing because meteor I don't <laughs> see oh, it coming. Uh, anything's possible uh, a war 
Yeah. I mean, you know, look how fastly the, how quickly the, the, the sequence of events has already happened this year. So, right. and, and in the, in the age of mass communications, a new narrative takes place immediately. Yeah. Nobody's talking about COVID anymore. Yeah. Now all we're talking about is the George Floyd case. Yeah. Uh, and the, and the, you know, and the protests. You know who really feeling it sitting pretty right now? R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody talking about R. Kelly right now. <laughs> he may have started it. Well, do you think, isn't it a, it's kind of interesting that the pandemic, like the pandemic kicks, kicked off all this stuff. I don't think that you can say that anything that happened once the pandemic started, and especially since lockdown, doesn't have to do with the pandemic. Like, I mean, would you agree with that? That it was just like pouring lighter fluid over everything and lighting a freaking match? Like everything's happening so Well, but I, I think some people had an interest in changing the uh, narrative off of Ukraine quickly because that thing was so pasted together and phony uh, that, that we had to change the subject real quick and get Trump on, you know, some kind of defensive. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 nobody's talking about it now. Nobody's I saying, think oh, Corona you can't go protest. You can't go protest. It's too dangerous. Yeah, I think. Corona might have, uh, uh, I think Corona might have been good for Trump, but I think George Floyd was really bad for Trump. Uh, to, uh, again, things move so quickly. It's, it, it it's, could turn around, you're saying? It, every, it's too soon to reach any conclusion about any of this. I mean, you're saying we might see some video next week of uh, Donald Trump playing basketball with George Floyd's brother? All I'm saying is that the electorate is very volatile and things change very quickly. Yes. So where can people find you too, Roger? Where? Who advises you to do your show against an open window? Yeah, I know. I didn't. Because <laughs> that person is fired. But the thing is, I usually do it later in the day, so it's like darker out. So I wasn't really thinking oh, that through. Why? We always do it at 4 p.m. <laughs> uh, it's usually overcast. I don't fucking know. There, there, he is. Is. <laughs> yeah. there he is. Let me ask you one thing before we get off, Roger. How many of you are there, would you say? Like, there's you. You're like, you're this classic guy. But... How many of the behind the scenes, like sneaky people are there that we don't know about? Are you calling me a sneaky person? We love sneaky people around here, Rod. <laughs> That's our people. Well, yeah, you, you missed the intro, but we were saying, you know, sneaky people are kind of our, our jam. <laughs> um, here's the problem. You've got several thousand people who call themselves political strategists or political consultants. But yeah. the truth is, you have a handful of people who actually know what they're doing. This is not something you guess at. This is a science. You spend years learning how to read polling and, and, and how to craft uh, you know, a questionnaire to try to figure out what kind of ideas and how to phrase them, move people from over here to over here. Mm -hmm. And then you figure out, based on your budget, how to communicate those ideas. Is it, is it digital? Is it cable? Is it radio? Uh, you know, is it mail? What is it? Uh, this is a science. It looks easy from the outside, no, Everybody's brother-in-law thinks he can be a political consultant, yeah. but it's not the way it works. They call it political science for a reason. Right, it's a science. And they're it's the very sweet science. Uh, and it's also changed. I mean, a lot of people, um, Roger Ailes comes to mind. Because Roger Ailes, who was a genius. Genius, I agree. You might not agree with his politics. But he, grew up in the, he grew up where broadcast television was dominant. And therefore, if you wanted to be a congressman, from a district outside New York City, that was a $5 million endeavor because broadcast TV cost a fortune. Today, thanks to Facebook, you can geo-target the people who live in Long Island without having to talk to the people in Connecticut and New Jersey yeah. at a much cheaper cost. So the whole business has been revolutionized by the internet. You, yeah. you can reach people more effectively. Now, the social media giants are working overtime to try to end that and try to limit 
some people's ability to talk online. And that's really troubling to me. I think everybody should have equal access to the internet, no matter how whacked out your ideas may be. Let the people decide what they want to believe, yeah. what they want to read. But it's got to be something on it to let us know what's whacked out. Just like if you post something on the Twitter now and you mentioned Corona, they, uh, they'll add uh, Corona, like the information. Well, but if I went out and said right now, Lee Harvey Oswald did not kill John Kennedy, did not act alone, some people can say that, that guy should be banned, that's crazy, Oswald did it, but he didn't do it. Right. And so, uh, I, you know, people who disagree, can still communicate. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I, who's to say who's right and who's wrong? Who's the arbiter of truth? Right. I don't. I'm not against that at all. I, I don't. I'm not against ideas that might be different. But if you, um, but if you just uh, just spreading lies on purpose, just spreading it and just putting out falsehoods and you know trying to make one thing look like another, then that's uh, that's problematic. Well, I, I don't think you should be able to go out there and promulgate hate crimes. I don't think you should be able to do like say. Um, What's his name? Keith uh, Olbermann and advocate the violent assassination of the president. Look, I've been banned on Twitter for years now, going on four years, almost four years. Uh, I don't even know what I did wrong. I think I hurt Jake Tapper's feelings. I think that was <laughs> You can't do that. I had 550,000 followers at the time that I was banned. Uh, yet Olbermann advocates the violent assassination of the president. And he still got the little blue check by his name. So you tell me, I mean, I don't think, I just think that uh, their community standards are very elastic and not very specific. Did and they ban you for life? I'm banned for life, brother. Wow. Wow. Further proof that I'm the most dangerous man in America. You're dangerous, Roger. We don't need you on these streets, these social media streets. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, so I use Instagram, which I really like. I use Facebook, yeah. which I really like. But for 16 months, I was banned from doing that too. My ideas were so dangerous that I couldn't defend myself. You think uh, right now that Trump is unbannable on Twitter? Because they always, uh, they'll put stuff on his uh, comments. But I, don't. They... I don't. I think he ultimately they're going to do it to him too. You if think so? If they don't ban him, they will insist on putting up disclaimers. Right. So the president says that the mail ballot program is an open invitation for voter fraud. Sorry, but he's right. That's what the history would show. But the Washington Post says he's not right, and therefore we got to have a little notice. Who made the Washington Post the deciders? Those people can't find their ass with both hands. Why are we deciding that the Washington Post is a paragon of truth? Nothing they've written about me has ever been true. Right. Next book, I'm going right. to name the 10 most dishonest reporters in America. And I'm going to take what they wrote, and I'll take their paragraph, and I'll take the truth, and I'll put them side by side, as I've done on my, uh, on my website. I, I saw a study on marketwatch.com. It's not a, not a conservative outlet that said that 50% of fact-checking uh, uh, conclusions were, were, were incorrect. Well, that's, wow. absolute, that's absolutely true. Wait a minute. What? At the post? Exactly. I'll send it to you. Mar Mar no. Antibody test. Actually, 50% of the fact-checking of Donald Trump was incorrect, that they were unfair to him. Fact-checking sites. So he's right. Roger Stone is right. I think the fact-checking sites all have a bias. I mean, you know. I believe they have a bias because they want to be the hot one. They want everybody to click on their shit. So they got to come with some fiery stuff, even if they got to make it up. And that's when it's wrong. Agreed. Well, That's when it's you, fucking uh, How do you actually expose the truth, right? Because people who are behind the scenes, and like, I don't have a political behind the scenes, but I've been behind the scenes of like certain news stories about people that I knew. And prior to that, I had no, I just took it as fact when I read something in the news. And after yeah. that, I realized how absolutely full of shit and how much everybody has an agenda. So how yep. do you actually get and, and by the way, I'm not like coming down on the left or the right or whatever. I think they're both bullshit. But how do you actually get at the truth? 
Well, that's why I've written five books. That's why I'm making a, a cooperating with a couple of documentaries about my current situation. Why they already why I already cooperated with one documentary at Netflix. Uh, you got to produce your own content. I yeah. love Facebook Live. I like Instagram Live. I yeah. probably would have liked Twitter Live, but you know, I'm, I'm too dangerous. It's pretty good, Roger. You got to check out it. Pretty good. You got to get on TikTok. Actually, the sad, the, the sad truth is that Twitter has descended into being one big cesspool of hate. It has. It, it's it not is. even fun anymore. It used to yeah. be you had some clever repartee, you disagree, be now it's just you know. Uh, my, it's evil. I, I recently became a great grandfather for the first time oh congratulations I had, I had people emailing my granddaughter saying i hope your baby is still born because your father's a russian agent that's sick what that's just sick people are gross people yes, are fucking, people are gross definitely on like twitter and shit like that but you can block them but you do got to read it once at least <laughs> it's very it's very it's hurtful so i mean i i don't i thought i would miss twitter but i, I don't miss it you don't miss it no, Instagram's better. Even when I do tweet, I like take a screenshot of my tweet and put it on my Instagram because it's better results. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I really appreciate you coming on, Roger. You have a good time? Uh, this was a lot of fun, but I hear a martini calling my name. <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you? I'll put out uh, Where can people find you? Uh, the book that you want to... Well, you can now? go right now. You can go to stonecoldtruth.com where I'm going to resume my weekly column. Uh, if you want to help my legal defense, you go to stonedefensefund.com. Uh, if you want to sign a petition to the president uh, saying that the 67-year-old guy should not be put in jail uh, where he might die of COVID, you can go to freerogerstone.com. Okay, perfect. I thought you was talking about Harvey Weinstein for a second. <laughs> uh, nothing in common with him. Zero. I really appreciate you coming on, man. You look great. That's good. Feel okay. You look like your spirits are up. Uh, well, praise Jesus, they are. I'm doing fine. Well, stay strong, brother, and thank you for coming on Race Wars. Noam, you had fun? I had a great uh, time. Great. Thanks for Noam's the time. owner, by the way, uh, Roger. Noam is the owner of the Comedy Cellar in New York City. We'd love to have you down if, when things are all settled. That'd be wonderful. Uh, I'd come in and do a set. I'm much funnier than Credico. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I, I'm going to book you on the show. Let me let me stand. Credico is not funny. That's, I mean, it's just not a huge market for Strom Thurmond impressions. <laughs> I mean, the guy does a killer Hubert Humphrey, but nobody cares. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> I mean, you don't know until you try. Uh, it's too funny. Uh, this is a great episode. Uh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, though, Raj. Thank you, sir. All right, all right everybody, have fun. Um, Cameron, make sure you tape all this. Race Wars. We... Don't forget to check out our YouTube. We're going to have this up, all of our previous videos, fun little clips if you don't have the patience to sit through an entire episode. <laughs> and everybody's information is on there too. Make sure that you give us a follow and like our stuff, leave comments, get at us on Instagram, Twitter, um, get at me, get at Sherrod. We love you guys. That's it. No, you want to plug anything? No, no, that's cool. What about Live in America? Uh, well, we, you know, you can Google the Comedy Seller podcast. We have a few of them, but- uh, There you yeah. go. All right, that was a good episode. That was funny. Right. He's a fun guy, right? He's funny. Yeah, I, I, you know I love him. Yeah, <laughs> I love these you characters, love right? You just love these. It doesn't matter what their politics are. These are, these are real characters. Like, yes. Okay. Authentic characters. That's what yeah. I like. I like authentic motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. All right, we well, yeah, out. Race was. Peace.